Hello, Matt from the future again. For whatever reason, in this episode I say like and absolutely quite a lot. Other than that, the continued assault by cicadas and crickets continues, some wind chimes are also there, there's some table heating, I'm pretty sure I'm a little bit drunk, and other than that, it's just the usual low quality of our podcast. Enjoy. Again to the M4 project. As always, I'm Matthew Jelenic. I'm Michael Sullivan. And I'm Morgan Davidson. And this, up this, week, this, w- this week I was just having a reminisce because it's coming towards the end of the year, it's coming towards Christmas, and we're about to break up at work. And Matthew used to work used to work with me, and I was just thinking about some of the, oh, the things that happened in the back of the year, and I was like, what's one of my favourite conversations I remember having? Oh, and shit. this is where you'll be like, cue music where it goes throwing thinking music. Yeah. I think two, top two, top two. One is trying to convince a man that we worked with called Jeff, who is now a primary school teacher, into telling children he didn't like to play with boogie boards in storm water drains <laughs> and to aim for the tunnel at the end because it's, you know, it's a slide. Come on, Jeffrey. Come on. Come on. Um, and the other one was the time where we were trying to get Jeff to tell a story. <sighs> That Fuck. ended in matching towels to hint to Matthew's okay. hate for the song Rock Lobster. No, I, I had the song Rock Lobster stuck in my head for about two months, and everyone <laughs> caught on. The most... They they build these elaborate situations where someone's like, yeah, anyway, it's like yeah, I was hanging towels on the line, and the, you know, the funny is, I looked left, looked right, and it's like, oh, they're matching towels, and everyone would look at me, <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking? Oh, Sons of bitch, and for the rest of them, like. <laughs> and you just see me punching myself on the side head going, stop, I can't stop. Anyway, so, so, so Jeffrey was like, oh, I'm going to tell this story about going to the beach, which he'd already sort of told anyway. And he was going to go to the, the beach and go for a swim. What did you do on the beach, Jeff? I went to the beach, went for a swim, da 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 And then all he was supposed to end it with, and then I laid down, and the guy next to me, I realised we had matching towers. But didn't... No. Jeff, being off with the fairies, sort of forgot. Jeff, and he Jeff started is to... your classic sort of guy of, if you sit there and said... I have a friend who gets distracted by butterflies. That's Jeff. That's Jeff. Like he's the sort of guy who he would be a Disney princess. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like Which Di- Disney princess is Jeff? It'd, it'd be any all of them. It's any any of them that sits there and goes, "Oh, the animals." That moment where they go, "La la la," they all let it show. It's like, "Oh, that's lovely. That's really nice." <laughs> that's Jeff, and he's a crack of a lad. He's a great, great guy. Anyway, any, anyway, so so Jeff was like. I'd tell his story and he forgot that he was supposed to be getting to the punchline of matching towels so he just started telling the story which involved him doing a turd in the surf which involved you know just my general sort of day and then Matt I saw Matt wander off to it go to the so toilet it was so long the story, like, the story right, went so on for so like, long and I'm working in the warehouse okay Luke. yeah I'm gonna go to go to a meeting which was a, which is a password for like, which was the code word for go to a shit yeah go to a shit yeah. <laughs> come back and the story's still going because that's impressive. Yeah, no, that's no, honestly no, 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 no. The reason Story why still I, going. I, I, I left and everyone went, "What the fuck, fuck you, Jeff? You're meant to hit this uh, point and say matching <laughs> towels and make Matt punch himself in the face." And he goes, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, all right, cool. I'll wait till he comes back." Anyway, and continues the story. I'm like, "Fuck! <laughs> what did you do on a Saturday, Jeff? Saturday's only so I'm long. Like, that's the longest time at the beach anyone's ever spent." <laughs> And he finally says matching towels. <laughs> that, that one that one sunk me to the floor. Did you guys seriously plan a 45 minute conversation 
that culminated in this reference to a song that I've grown to hate because I can't get it out the fuck out the fuck of my head. Everyone's like, no, no, he was meant to do it in like two minutes. Anyways, anyway. Megaville, we're a movie podcast. Yes, we're a movie podcast. <laughs> uh, this this week we're that'll talking- be some editing. <laughs> there might be some chops. There might be, be some chops. chops. Feel of chops. And there were cuts. I'll be honest, we did that anecdote originally ran around eleven minutes. You're welcome. Oh, also. I'd like to bring up once again Wanker's Calf, if you know anything. I'm call <laughs> call, call in. Call in. We'll do a call in show. Um, this week's film is a 1990 classic oh, that's... chosen by myself called Megaville, starring Billy Zane in his first, first, well, first big time role. Where he's the main character. He, where, where, he's where he's the main, lead he, character. Where he's, where he's the lead character. That, I mean, that means big time. Like, not, yeah. You don't call yourself a big time actor when you're a background character. Megaville is an independent low budget director video oh yeah, yeah. 1990 uh, American yeah. Science it's, 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 it's actually director video isn't it yeah, yeah it, it was, it was director video starring obviously Billy Zane as his lead role it's, I saw that it was described as a neo-noir psychological thriller which is one of the most biggest pieces of BS I've ever <laughs> in my life yeah, yeah. the director clearly edited the wiki page to make it say that um <laughs> <laughs> it, it apparently utilizes elements of science fiction, uh, as, such as cyberpunk, and uh, it, it's ex- science fiction in that it's in the future. Yeah, yeah. Aviators it's had man. little kind of side aviators to make them more futuristic. Yeah. So I was like, no, it's not dude, good. it's called glare. Oh, it comes in from the sides, man. Yeah, eye cancer from sun is really bad. It so the base actually. Yeah. The basic background, the national ba- boundaries have sort of like broken down, and uh, you're left with two giant superstates pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, one being the bleak and decaying hemisphere and the other one being this sprawling media state called Megaville. Travel between these two is restricted. Uh, the CKS governs the daylight in the hemisphere and all sorts of media are illegal there. Megaville obviously have they've embraced media and it's a bright and it's opposite and it's uh, very different to the, yeah. the hemisphere. Media is the drug of choice basically. It definitely yeah. is. So our main, main guy, Billy Zane here, before we get into yeah, back at the characters, actors, and performance, but the basis of the film is uh, Billy Zane's playing this guy called Raymond Palinov. Um, he's an unassuming captain in the media police. He finds himself drawn to this spaghetti western at the start. He can't sort of get himself away from They're doing a media raid because that's what mm-hmm. they do in the hemisphere to get rid of it. Um, he's sort of ostracized after this incident. Um, he nearly loses his job. He goes to a bit of a sort of like a rally, a very Nazi-ish yeah. rally, um, where they're showing f- some forms of media on the screen saying how bad it is. He starts hysterically laughing and has a mental yeah. breakdown. After that, a lot of other people, I suppose, would have been terminated, but yeah. he gets some sort of a promotion and he's sent in for some sort of a treatment. treatment. He, mm. he, re- he receives the treatment and then yeah. he's yeah, he gets this promotion where he's going to do this special... Mission into Megaville. Into Megaville. Basically, they sit there and very early on say, "Hey, just so you know, you look exactly, exactly. like yeah. this dude, and that's why we're doing this." And and you're, you're, you're going to infiltrate these people. You're going to go into Megaville. To... We're trying to stop this thing from happening. Called here. The, yeah, Megaville's about to introduce this thing, this thing called Dreamer Life. It's a hallucination-inducing uh, like direct, direct to the brain VR. Yeah, 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 pretty much. People in Megaville can start new lives and have totally new experiences. And obviously, at the start of this film, the Hemisphere yeah. want to. St- Control, control and control. Stop, stop. Yeah. Uh, well, basically, they're, they're stop saying, they're saying the that they want to stop it because they're against all media, but it's also sort of like and they don't want we flowing. want to control it. They don't want we to flowing want to into the hemisphere. It. Yeah. yeah. 
So he, he yeah, like you said, he sent he sent him because he looks like this guy called uh, Mister Mister Jensen. Jensen. Um, and he works with this main supplier, the guy who I think the Dream of Life's coming from, called uh, Mister Newman. Newman. Yeah, like like you said, apparently he's, he's this striking re- resemblance. They actually give him some of Jensen's memories to make yeah. himself more believable mm-hmm. to people that he's going to meet that would have known Mister yeah. Jensen. Obviously, going to need to know some background, and that's sort of where the the story starts to question build you. from. You've got the two hemispheres where one's like a thriving metropolis and the other one's just a desolate piece of shit. Why doesn't everyone try to just leave the desolate piece of shit to go to the good side? Because they said it was controlled. Yeah, okay, so it's very, very it's, strictly it's, it's, yeah, controlled. It, it's strictly controlled, and if you live in a world if you consume too much media, your brain will melt. People and some like people are afraid. You, like, Oh fuck! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I will fucking stay here. I don't want my brain to melt. They also know about the other city, right? Potentially, maybe not. Maybe some. Like, some do. Some like, do. Like, why? Why else would there be the underground thing? There would just be people going, "Yeah, fuck this. I'm out," and the state would collapse. There would be no people. So they have enough control that they can look at them and say, "You don't want to do this, otherwise, brain will melt and them control them." Well, as I said here, travel between the states is restricted. Absolutely. So you're only going to be certain sort of people. Yeah. Doing it. I think that's a pretty good back of the tin to start that, off with. That's a good back of the tin. Um, let's go into characters, actors, and their performance. Uh, Billy Zane. Mm. I will watch just about anything with Billy Zane in it. I, he's one of those actors who... He's in the B-grade space, and I want him to be more. I like Billy Zane. I liked him as the Phantom. I liked him in this. He was very, very young. Very... Absolutely in the B grade space in terms of what he could do. I just also want to bring up with the viewers really quick. As as Matt was talking about Billy Zane, he had his hands clasped up towards his face, similar to what like a cartoon princess would be if they were describing their, <laughs> their, their, <laughs> their prince. Uh, yeah, yeah, their prince. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That, that I'll, 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 it was, it was like no, it was not conscious. I was like, <laughs> I like Billy Zane. No, I absolutely do. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You're not wrong. I did do that. I will fucking wear it. And yeah, I, I like Billy Zane, and I don't know what it is. Like he's he's one of those actors who I think has got shit on throughout his career. He's absolutely in this film a B grade actor, oh, yeah. if yeah. at most. Like he would do well at this point in his career. He would be on Bold and the Beautiful, Neighbors, some oh, yeah. sort of like daytime soap opera. Because that is what he can deliver. He is the ham merchant. Absolutely. <laughs> he's, he's the butcher. A, he is not, he's the butcher. Yeah, he's the butcher. He, he ain't Jewish because he got a lot of pork on his fork. Yeah. Uh, that's what he's got. But looking at what he turns into, I just wish he could have done more. <laughs> All right. And that, that's enough from the Xenophile. Yeah. Uh, um, really, really <laughs> average. Like, oh, oh, yeah. That's, that's Don't get me wrong. He, he was... I thought it was woeful. And it was at this moment that Morgan made a powerful enemy in both Billy Zane and Matt. Seriously, I will defend that man's honour. Woeful. Absolutely. It was painful to watch. It was overacted. For someone who actually is is somewhat talented, most scenes well, were overacted. Not, no, he was talented in dead calm. True. He was. For someone who actually does have some sort of acting talent, he was void of acting talent in this. It was it was woeful. It was just so overacted. I was appalled. I was shocked <laughs> and appalled. Could it be potentially maybe that that's what the director was asking no. from him? And he, uh, he was delivering what was if asked he, If he was, he did a brilliant job, but I don't think so. I think it was just shit. Well, it, and that's why I sit there and point to this was his first Iron lead, lead role. Yeah. Lead role. 
one instance I can think of is he's talking to the boss guy over the phone then he's like you can tell he's gone like you're going to lie to the boss guy now so kind of stumble over your words and so he goes she left the area and it was just so forced and hammy and it was yeah, yeah. that's just yeah it, it, just that, the taste absolutely just that taste. was throughout throughout the film the, the moments where he's like yeah like I've got to lie I've got to try and, and cheat them test what they know he absolutely struggles did, he no he did the soap opera thing of the the triple take on a telephone <laughs> where it's like <laughs> no he says in the telephone I think he's lying yeah he's like yeah uh, I'm pretty sure I heard his cheeks slap around for like 45 minutes and then he said no so I'm pretty sure that's a lot not mm. great not not great but also it's Billy's name moving on from the, the beautiful the, the beautiful bald Billy's aim Jace E. Quinn as Mr. Newman he was obviously the uh, I suppose the narrator Antagonist, I suppose you could say. Yeah, yeah. Antagonist and narrator. And the narrator. He had a bit of a style about him that reminded me of Michael Madsen. Like mm-hmm. in, in, and his role was very similar to those Tarantino-ish films. That yeah. kind of just cool swagger. Like the guy who's been around for ages. Him. And the way he talked is just very Michael Madsen. I'm not I do what I do. He also, for some reason, reminded me of Phil Hartman. Yeah, in, yeah, in a sense. He looked similar, mm-hmm. I suppose. I was probably stretching... For something I liked in this, so any scene with him, I yeah, liked a little bit more. Probably he the was, best character in, yeah. in the whole thing. Um, yeah. So, so uh, just to, to flesh out this character, so throughout the, the film starts with this opening sort of monologue from this character, and he's walking in the desert, and he's walking in the desert, and then we, we meet him later on when uh, Palinov slash Jensen ends up in Megaville, and we find out that it's like, oh, all right, this is the big honcho who's sort of the handler. Of so did Jensen. we say that? Yeah, we did say that Palinov was played by Billy Zane. Yeah, Palinov yeah. was played by Billy Zane. And uh, so when he gets to Megaville, he's like, oh yeah, I'm totally Jensen. Uh, we meet this this character, Newman, who's the head honcho. Newman. Newman! Uh, and whereas Palinov's this character, was like trying to be this, um, I'm hard and I'm, I'm dark. Newman's like, yeah, I kill people, whatever. What's up? Cool. I'm just, I do my job. I think the first part of the scene, he's just like walking up and he sees... Billy Zane on the ground. He's yeah. like, don't end up like this guy. And then the and story. Then the movie starts. Yep. Right. Moving on from JC Quinn, who we both, we all seem to like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christine uh, played by Kristen Cloak. Yeah. Um, she had a small part. She was the somewhat Jensen lover and bomb expert. I felt that she was only really in it to tie a, a very important plot point together. Uh, an absolute... Chekhov's gun. Yeah. If you know what that is, you pretty much know how the movie's going to end. Yeah. She, she absolutely just delivers this this uh, thematic sort of tool. It's just like, I'm this thing, and therefore this exists in the story. Let's all forget about, about it. it. Until the end. Until the end. That, uh, that's why I really like that. Anyway, continuing on. So, yeah, she literally... She was, an, she, she was a okay enough actor for what she was doing. She had a small role in it. It was neither bad nor good again just a plot point to go from a, a, here a plot point and also there. the annoying uh hollywood trope of hey this person needs a love interest yeah yeah like, definitely do, do they do they really need a love interest? she was absolutely just there as female character for someone 
Um, Unfortunately. Moving on from then, there wasn't many other characters. There were two gangsters, which I won't go into in too much detail because they were very brief, but they gave a little bit of comedy. Yeah. I, I liked the two gangsters in it. They yeah. okay. uh, did a bit of a laughing laugh here and there yep. with the threats and having having the, the, bounce, uh, the his bodyguard and that. And there was a brilliant scene where he's like, you want to work for me? Yeah. And then he shoots his boss. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. That was that was well done. The other character I wanted to talk about was that um, Daniel J. Trevanti as director Duprell. It's got to be the most comfortable role anyone's ever. If had. I just want, I just want to ask, I did not understand this fucking character. At the start of the film, he was fine. By the end of the film, he was on a breathing apparatus, and I don't yeah. remember anything fucking happening to him. Yeah, I, he was I mean, in his he, office. He was he was dying throughout the film. Yes, yes, but at the start he was fine. He, and he, then, he had a cane. Yeah, he had a cane. He, he went from cane to <laughs> with a microphone on his head. They didn't say he was sick. Yeah. Like obviously he's sick, but they didn't say nothing seemed to happen. He didn't have an accident, but he 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 went downhill very fast for a man who was going to tr- try and control I the assumed, world. I assumed he was the guy that was yeah. really pushing for the the life thing because mm-hmm. he didn't want to be the sick guy in bed. He wanted to have a different life. Uh, uh, we'll get into that in the spoilers. Um, but yeah, absolutely. There, there was this sort of character arc that isn't really described at all. It's just he's the the big antagonist. Like I'm the puppeteer. I will f- fuck everything and everyone. And all uh, <coughs> I'm getting sick throughout the film. I'm in the bed. It's never really described. And that's his. Yeah, it was just great to me. I'm like, oh, he's sick. Oh, he's, he's sick. Really sick. Oh, he's really sick. Oh, oh he's, he's going fucking. To die. It, yeah. What the fuck? It's like, oh, are we going to get a little bit of a? This is why I'm doing all of it. No, no, no. Also, he, he had a lot of dialogue, and his voice was really grating yeah. as it goes on because it's very, oh, it's very muddled, and I've got to talk like this the whole time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just... When he first walked in, he was like, "I'm so and so." He's like, "Fair enough." So, but it just gets worse. From Director Duprell, I don't know if we covered this at some point. He was the guy who was basically in charge of the hemisphere. He was like the president of the yeah. hemisphere without being called out, but he's called Director Duprell. Yeah. So he was in charge of all that, and he was the guy who, was, who sent Palinov on this mission to stop this dream life stuff or find out about it yada 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 Do we, is there any other characters we want to talk about not really okay looks and tone looks and tone absolutely a late 80s well it's released in the 1990s very 1990 exactly yeah. uh, it, it is absolutely a product of its time yeah uh, it also was following on the coattails of many other sort of dystopian sort of themed films but because of its budget couldn't follow up at all it was basically mm. alright this is the dystopic area it's darker yeah. this is the happy area it's brighter and that's about it it's it's there's no sets they're all just pre-existing locations that yeah pretty sure that was when yeah. we got to Megaville and they're just literally driving down a street in some city in the US it's like, oh yeah it's, it's LA you could probably... I'm pretty sure it was like uh, Chicago actually uh, yeah. oh, there was yeah. one building that looked very distinct yeah. if you could search for five minutes yeah. you'd probably know um, exactly where they shot it for most of it, I hated it. I, 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 I thought it was like a Duna cover, a Duna as a wall covering away from being a Scott Shaw film. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, oh, if, some, if someone had told me this was an attempt at Zen filmmaking, I would have fucking believed it. Yeah. Like, uh, I actually would have said this was a decent attempt if this was Zen filmmaking. Zen filmmaking, a style of filmmaking pioneered by Scott Shaw, in which no screenplay is written and instead the filmmaker and cast make it up as they go. Z-grade actors ad-libbing. Sounds fun. That was sarcasm. That's... Oh, yeah, it was a decent attempt. But if they started said, oh, and that was Zen filming, I went, yeah, clearly it was Zen filmmaking. Yeah. That the the dude on the wall should have yeah. let me know that. Um, 
I thought they did well in distinguishing the two places. I'll, I'll give it that. Um, the hemisphere's grey with the shading and Megaville being bright, the bright, bustling yeah. metropolis. Um, there was a cu- couple of scenes that I didn't quite hate that were usually in the hemisphere and for some reason it just made me it reminded me of um, the movie Doctor Strangelove which is a film that I I love it's it's a great film those bits were short-lived and I came back to the crushing reality of that it was this movie and how much longer (laughs) it had to run but overall no yeah it had little brief moments for me for someone who didn't like the film it had brief moments you went oh that that looks too bad but most of it just shit yeah, it, it is absolutely a direct-to-video film. It's not a. Uh, it, it's not one of the ones where you sit there and go, "Hey, this is a low budget," but oh my god, what they managed to pull off! It is what it is. It's not a cinematic masterpiece that went, "Oh my god!" For one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, they managed to pull off whatever they managed to pull off. This is a product of what it is, and I'm fine with it. I didn't expect more than what I was expecting from it. That's on Netflix. Like, why? I don't yeah. know, but it's on Netflix. All the movies. Cheap. Yeah. Add it to your library. They're Content your number. Yeah. Flip the counter over. Yeah, um, I don't really have any. Counter. Don't really have anything to add to looks and tones. I think it's pretty much covered it. Uh, there there is looks. one little scene for looks and tone in terms of special effects. About when you've got about fourteen minutes and ten seconds in, uh, there's there's <laughs> a little bit of special effects that I love. We'll cover it in the spoilers. But oh my god, is it fantastic! <laughs> it was so blaring because I'm the sort of person that was saying like, "This is happening." what's happening in the background and I'll pay attention and I found something that I thought was gold. Anyway, continuing on. How was it overall, Mike? Uh, crap, I would say. It's probably yeah. how I would really say it. It, feel, it's just, it feels just like someone had a philosophical question of what happens if media was illegal and they tried to make a movie out of it and just failed in every aspect. <laughs> that's, that's the best way I can describe it. Really. They literally just... made dot points on a sheet of paper and then yeah. made a movie off the dot exactly. points. Exactly, yeah. And then they yeah. lost the interesting part of that question. That was on the, the talking point card yeah. that they dropped on the way to the meeting. It's like, like oh, fuck. When you first described it as... Media is illegal. Like, that sounds like an interesting oh, concept. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wonder how they how they do that. And then it's just this. Yeah, it, this that, is. What I they said made. that, and then it's as not a, actually a, a part. And, it's not actually a part of the film at all. It's not. Really. It's just a bait and switch to get Absolutely. me interested in a topic, and then it's just <laughs> spag ball out the way, dog turd right in. <laughs> Overall, well, it was fucking amateur. I like yeah. I said, I, I I it was this far off being a Scott Shaw film. It yeah, it was it was pretty fucking bad. By the way, when he said this far, it was a gooch spacing. Yeah, yeah, gooch spacing. <laughs> it's about a gooch. Um, yeah, like, Billy Zane, like I said, was just fucking woeful. And, like, as a balding man, I'm, like, looking at his receding hairline going, have you, like, cut that in a bit to make it look more receding? Okay. I, I watched this and went, because I know, uh, like, in, in Titanium, that sort of thing, he, he was clearly, clearly wearing a hairpiece. But in this, he had the most severe... Receding, the, the, it was the just mo- the most point ar- pointed, point. arched receding hairline from the nineties that I was expecting Tony Hawk to do a kick flip off of. <laughs> That's how extreme it was, this motherfucker It was so is. bad. I thought it was it must have been cut in, like because I know his was bad, but fuck me, I didn't know it was that bad. No, it's pretty fucking impressive to be honest. Yeah. Watch it for that. Seven one. Wonders. Like yeah. Seven Wonders sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. I Don't mean, try to draw more people into watching this film. Across the great pyramids. <laughs> and then there's Billy's Lane's haircut in uh, Megaville. Uh, overall, for me, <clears throat> I had fun with it. it. It's a turd of a film. It really is. But I had fun with it. I, I enjoyed what it was trying to be. It's that it made all these promises from its trailer that it couldn't possibly keep up. 
it came from an age where the trailer was a bait and switch when they could do that when before when trailers were the entirety of the film and all the good parts it was like yeah. we're gonna try and stitch this thing together from this brief story points and make something else mm-hmm. and say this is the story and then you get in and it's completely different uh I, I enjoyed it. I thought it, I thought it was a really shitty film, but I had fun. I was like, yeah, okay, well done, well played, you direct-to-video piece of shit. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Would you recommend it? Uh, from a standpoint of acting, thematics, filmmaking, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so as a film? As no. a film, no. no. For a young Billy Zane... You were in a slip-up. If you want absolutely. to, you want to see a fucking severe receding hairline. Billy Zane's hairline in this could take someone's eyes. <laughs> like it is flat against his skull, but still, you look at the guy it's you're like, pointed. ah, ah, yeah. my retina, ah. But seriously, Billy Zane's a Billy Zane's a national treasure. He's not even from this country. Mikey, <laughs> would you recommend it? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I wouldn't recommend it. How? Oh, come on, man. I watched this thing twice. <laughs> I watched it twice and also fell asleep. I almost fell asleep the second time. <laughs> Morgan, would you recommend it? No, watch Paranoia. It has a shirtless hemi. <laughs> Paranoia reference of the week. Okay. Can we please have this discussion now? Yes. Okay. Dookie Award. Oh. Okay, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh. I kind of semi-chose this because I watched this and went, that was a turd of a film. I wonder if I can get the Dookie with this. That's kind of I, I vote for yes. I personally don't think... Because this, I felt, did things. The thing it is, did them poorly. Because but Paranoia just went... Yeah. I'm gonna do thing and then fell down the front Par- steps. But of paranoia when I'm going to do a tax write-off and succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it did I, do that. The thing is, I, I reckon we still keep it with paranoia. Okay, because paranoia shifted how we think. Paranoia reference in the past. No, that's it fine. Just, I just wanted to like, put it out there. It, it shook us to the core. Yeah, that movie. So. It, it, it absolutely uh, paranoia as a film. Found bedrock and managed to keep digging. They're like, no, okay, that that's a bad film. And it was like, no, 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 no. Look me in the eyes as I dig deeper and I'm the skeletons <laughs> so of cinema. It's a solid runner-up. It's, it's solid runner-up. Very honorable sure. mention. Nipping honorable, yeah, honorable mention. mention. Uh, okay, so we're okay, you know, no, it's, Matt Mikey still owns the, the Dookie. Yep. Spoilers. Yes. Defending the title. <laughs> uh, spoilery doos. Uh, Anything? Uh, yeah. Well. Um. Okay. So, panel of uh, Jensen. Palinov slash E. Jensen is really just Jensen. Yeah. And with Pal- some of Palinov. So basically, the whole memories. the whole thing has been established throughout the film. It's like, oh, Palinov, you're you're you've Palinov, got well, you've got Jensen memories. As soon as that was established, so it, mm, it's got to be the other, the other way. Yeah. And as yeah. at the end of the film, it's revealed. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, Palinov. You're actually Jensen. You're Jensen. And, and Pal- with some Palinov memories. And as Palinov, he despises Jensen because Jensen, he finds out through talking to people, is actually a horrible person. Yeah. Like, mm. he's killed children. He's done all yeah. these horrible things. Like, this guy is disgusting. And then he he's having realization. He's like, oh, um, the, the, the implants. One thing which really pushed through onto the main thing is this movie is intensely predictable. 
Oh yeah, like it's you know oh, yeah. exactly what you're getting oh. right from the get go. Oh, like, yeah. it's really it, it's trying to do a bait and switch. Yeah, but, but it fumbled the turd sandwich. It's just very it's early slapping on. you in the face with the bait throughout the entire movie. You're like, when it's are like, they gonna switch? Yeah, come on. It's like, oh, oh, it's trying to, it's trying to tap you. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Guess what's gonna happen? Guess what's like you're you're holding a poster behind with your other hand that says exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. It's like, yes. no, no, I'm not. It's like, yeah, that, that's, that's right over there. there. It's, it's right. It's pretty obvious. Like, no. no. Palinov, he basically learns that Juprell, um, he doesn't actually want to stop this deal that he's been sent in to get. He actually wants to, he wants in on the deal. He wants to get it so he can control media yeah. in there. Therefore, he knew all the, I've, obviously I was sleepy at this point, but um, he, <laughs> he, from what I gathered, he wanted to get it because he knew bad people would use it and then he could make them think what yeah. they wanted to basically trap them in the device yeah. that's what I sort of got from after this there's this really predictable thing where he, he learns about the, the memory uh, the implants. Me- and the memory it's implants like, actually him and oh, they're actually watching him around. through the memory implant which makes a lot of sense yeah. which you also you realise because they don't they don't disguise that yeah, they, only just it only disguised from him throughout the movie. You know that he's doing that it. That was probably the only visual of the movie that I enjoyed when it had that screen that was kind of like distorted blue yeah. of kind of what he was seeing. seeing yeah, was, like, like, was like watching him through an oscilloscope. Yeah, 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 and I thought that was really the best. Yeah, that, that that was a great visual effect of like, okay, if they were watching someone through throughout cinema they've done this it's like we're watching it through his eyes and it's literally just a camera yeah yeah. whereas it's just like if we're watching them through this mechanical little component that's wedging the freaking optical part of their brain this is what What it might look like like. it's interpreting electrical signals it looked good like it looked like an oscilloscope it's like all these wiggly lines making this picture like okay well done with that so he realizes what's going on. Then he realizes that they're actually watching him through this thing, and he decides that he is going to trick them. Like, yeah, and, I'm totally trick them. So he puts on one of these devices, been trying to be stopped, and he fakes uh, an interview. going interview an interview, actually Next saying, Jose. "This is what they're actually doing in the hemisphere and blah blah blah." So, and all the evidence I have is in this suitcase at this lady's, which place. just is a throwback to the start. Yeah, um, Chekhov's gun, which I loved. Which they they go they obviously Dupre sends them to go get this suitcase they bring it in they open it up and it had the bomb that she had rigged way back at the start it blows okay, up yeah. all the so, bad people so, so die. I'll, I'll I'll take this opportunity very early on when the the first time uh, Palinov gets told you're playing Jensen going to this location a lady turns up with a bomb in a briefcase and says you're taking me to Megaville or else I blow you up with my suitcase bomb. And he finds some excuses, and that's the love interest that we mentioned earlier as well. But basically, the, the bomb is still around. He just sort of just goes, just don't. And she goes, oh, okay. I'll turn it off. I'll turn it off for now. But if ever I open it, kaboomy. And it's not until the very finale of the film that someone finds the briefcase and opens it, and it goes kaboomy, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> It tried to do it tried to do the twisty turny thing where it was like get, keeping you guessing and didn't really succeed at it. Yeah. Because I think they were like hoping that people had yeah. forgotten about it and I was like, Oh yeah, the suitcase, it's got a bomb in it. No, uh, as soon as he mentioned the suitcase, I knew I think everyone's gonna go, Oh, the one with the bomb. I don't think they were trying to uh, um, sort of disarm you with that and go, I wonder what he's gonna do with that suitcase. I think everyone should have gone the one with the bomb. But I the thing that I liked was the fact that yeah, in story narratives there's this thing called Chekhov's gun it's like if you introduce something to a story you have to use it if there's a gun in the first act 
don't mention it unless it gets fired in the second or the third. Don't introduce things that don't get used. <laughs> so it's this part where she goes, I've got a bomb! And it's immediately sort of just disarmed, like, yeah, what, whatever, forget about it. And then it comes back. It's like, yeah. okay, I like the fact that... The, they yeah, did, absolutely. Oh, it had a point. Yeah, absolutely. If she sat there and went, all right, I won't use it, there'd still be a bomb in a briefcase okay. somewhere in that world yeah. waiting to be used. And the fact that it did come back at the end of a story, <laughs> the fact that it was sitting there going... I'm still a bomb. Someone went, oh, zip, bang. Yes, absolutely. You say they didn't want people to forget, but they also described it as neo-noir. Um, uh, psychological yeah. thriller. So I'm going to say maybe they were hoping you'd forget. Anyway, anyway, just to... Yeah. I, I think that's yeah. the overall thing. Uh, the <laughs> um, so yeah, so they open it up and detonates it, blows up. The other big reveal is Newman, the guy that he's trying to find, ends up being Jensen slash Palinov's father. Yeah. Um, and then Jensen's father, not Je- Palinov. Sorry, Jensen slash Palinov yeah. because he's playing the two the two sort of yeah. characters. He ends up being his father, uh, and there's, there's this kind of like big Darth Luke scene with the like, you know, I am your father sort of yeah. sort of thing. And, you idiot. And yeah. and he's like, no, but there's no hand cutting off and falling down a big thing. Mm. Um, sadly. Yeah, uh, mm. but also I like the fact that uh, uh, what's his face Newman sort of goes, yep, I was your dad, you idiot, whatever, you fucked me over, kills him. And at the very end of the film, he's like, the, it, the film ends where it starts. He's like, it gets he around. she's like, yep, well, that's this is how it goes. I'm a killer, you're a killer, whatever. Bang, shoots him. Like, and that's the end of the, wait a fucking, looks down and realizes that Palinov slash Jensen has handcuffed himself and handcuffed it to his leg. So he's now got this corpse handcuffed to his leg and he's laughing. I, thought, I think that was supposed to be like a thing. It's like, oh, now he's trapped in the desert with his legs. Like, yeah, he's dead. Like, you can get that arm off. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, let's face, let's face it. Yeah, yeah. if it's your life or death, you, you wouldn't. You got a couple more bullets in there. Just yeah. fucking shoot the elbow, and you're, yeah. you know, you're gonna be, you're gonna be sweet. I mean, you could probably just put the elbow to your knee and just, just yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's not gonna cause him much issues. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, hey, you just killed a guy. He's not gonna have a problem taking his arm off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No. So, you no. chew it off if you had to. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the, yeah, the dude shoot his own arm off to get out of that that movie or that. Not just, that just movie. to get out the of the real. movie. It's like, no, nah, I don't want to be in this. It's like, that's <laughs> not a real guy. Just shoot himself in the elbow. His arm licked around his girlfriend. No, I'm all out. I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that's that end of the podcast. The end of Megaville. What do we got for next week? Whose choice is it? It was my choice. Oh, yeah. um, and I have mm. chosen a a Swedish movie um, called Let the Right One In. It is I a, heard tell of this strange movie. It is a, a movie about child a child vampire and the friendship she forms with another child. So, Wordsworth, what's with the lady voice? I thought it may be more friendly. Ah, yeah. You're trying to lure me into a false sense of security, aren't you? I cannot believe you would think that. Don't be ridiculous. I will murder you. You know I heard that right.